right. So you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go. Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What's up, y'all? How you doing? Welcome to episode number 29 of I Am Northbound. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? How is everything in your world? Hopefully you're doing fantastic. It has been crazy for the last couple of weeks here. I've just been recovering. I don't know. I feel like it's just been sickness after sickness, um, but I'm here and I'm, I'm recording the podcast. I'm not letting you down. I'm making sure that I'm bringing as much good content as I can for you. It is well and truly summer here in Australia. I can tell you that it has, it's went from being like 20 degrees and I'm not talking in Fahrenheit for my American friends. I'm staying at Celsius because you guys need to change it over to what we use because everyone else, you're the only one using Fahrenheit. But, you know, it was about 20 degrees Celsius. And then, you know, today it was meant to be 30 something, but now it's going to be, it's like 27, but, um, you know, it's going to be like 34 tomorrow or something like that. It's, and then for the next couple of days, it feels like it's summer. And it's not even summer. It's crazy. No, that's probably why I've been so sick. It's probably why everyone's been sick too. It's like constant hot, cold weather. You know how that is? Did you check out last week's episode of the podcast? You should have because I, I mean, personally, it was one of my favorite episodes because I like it when I can break down success that is actually like seen in the real world. It's all good to talk about theoretical concepts um, or concepts. When I say theoretical, that sounds like they haven't been proven. Concepts that have been proven, but um, they're difficult to kind of like point the finger at and say, look at that artist. They did that. You know, it's like some of them. A part, you know, some artists might have done that. A part of it, another artist might have done. So it's uh, it's it's really good when we can find an artist that has done one thing specifically, and I can kind of deconstruct that. Do you remember when I used to do a show? Have you been around that long when you I used to do the segment deconstructed? Not on this podcast, but for another thing where I would break down pop songs and why they were so popular. Yeah, maybe I should start doing deconstructed, but for branding. Hmm. Anyway, so got some. Uh, speaking on that note, we've got some really cool things coming in the future for content ideas and ways that I can make things more interesting. I put a thing up on Instagram saying, "Would anyone be interested in if I uh, broke down uh, your branding?" I said it was like if I was like queer eye but for redesigning branding online. So, I'll go over your social profiles and give you tips on how to improve it and to bring more fans in and more followers. And uh, I got a way bigger response than I thought. So, it's really cool to see that you uh, you guys you guys are keen on that. I'm definitely going to be doing that in the future. I also am going to be doing it for some bigger artists as well to show you how they're making mistakes. Even at the big levels, these people are super successful, but they could be making a few changes to make it even better for them. So, I'm definitely going to be doing that in the future. The most annoying thing about it is, is that uh, I've had this idea for a couple of years now and I've always had the perfect name, Band-Aid. Get it? How good is that, right? Very clever because it's short, it's straight to the point and it's like a Band-Aid for branding, but it's also a Band-Aid. It's a play on words, but turns out Band-Aid is a registered trademark and I can't actually use that name, which I'm furious about because I've been trying to think of another name for this segment. I can't come up with it. Anyway, I hope you checked out last week's episode because I talked. Uh, we talked about Y2K and Baby No Money with their launch of um, La 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 and why it, was, uh, why it was so successful. So, a little bit about songwriting in that, which is something I don't do too often but talking about why you need to be immediately interesting in the very start of your song how that works for your branding and potential virality and also how they used uh unconventional unconventional <laughs> it almost said unconventional vegetable too unconventional music marketing strategies to find success for that song and they are they even use Tinder Plus of all things. I've never heard of a music artist buying a Tinder Plus subscription to try to promote their music. But 
It's really interesting. I highly recommend you go check that out. Uh, this episode, we've got some really cool things to talk about as well. We're going to be talking about uh, why it's important that you stay true to your vision as a music artist and make sure that the people that you work and associate with understand that vision and don't try to change it. And I'm going to be telling you why you should stop trying to sell your music how it's just like a silly mindset that is going to prevent so much growth. And lastly, I want to uh, give you a little tip on your branding and tell you why uh, repeated exposure to specific elements that may seem insignificant can actually be huge factors in gaining more fans and followers. So you definitely won't want to miss this episode. Uh, but before you listen to this one, you should go back and listen to the I Am Northbound Extra that I just dropped last week. If you haven't checked that out already, uh, I actually detailed, it was a segment that I couldn't fit into last week's episode, but I talk about how you can use TikTok to your advantage to actually um, you know, engineer a viral challenge the same way that Y2K and Baby No Money did for La La La. So anyway, go check that out if you haven't already. But if you have and you're ready to uh, continue on with the new content, keep on listening because we're about to get into it. So I want to ask you a question. Why do you write music in the first place? Why do you get up each day with the motivation to keep pursuing these creative endeavors you have? Like, why are you putting in so much effort to reach any music goals you may have? It's probably because you have a vision, right? Like you have some way in your mind that you imagine that your music, some difference that you imagine your music is going to make either on the lives uh, on the world or in the lives of your listeners, right? So that change that you hope to bring to the world and the difference you hope to make is essentially your vision for your music, yeah? So you have a way that you know your music can make an impact, whether it be on the world itself or on the lives of your listeners. And you know the potential of everything that you could possibly create, right? And this power that you know you have should never be underestimated. Don't dismiss the potential of that power occurring. Like I genuinely recommend that all music artists take time to exercise their creativity, not in the sense of writing music, but for sitting down. Maybe you do this of a nighttime before you go to sleep when you're just laying in bed at night. I encourage you to imagine what the world will look like in five years time if you were able to make the difference that you hope to make on it. Because that should, if you keep that vision in your mind and see the future that you want to bring to the world on, on any scale, however you want to impact people, uh, that's going to be what continually motivates you. And you'll refine that vision each time that you are, that you think about it because you'll trim off the parts that you know aren't really entirely relevant to what you want to do. And after thinking it out, you might decide that you have a better way of actually creating that change. So, so the more you think about it, the more refined it will get and the more focused you'll be on actually making that happen. And I mean, I don't know too much about it, but I think that some people, you know, you might be listening right now thinking, it sounds like those uh, thought experiments where they say visualize things and the universe gives it back. Uh, I'm not really meaning to say that if I am, I don't know too much about that stuff. Uh, but if you do have that vision of where you want to take your music, uh, you, you know what to work toward at least and you know your direction that you want to uh, move toward. But by doing that and by building that vision out, it helps you become attached to the core motivation you have and also feel as if you are on the exact right path you need to be to make things happen for your music career. Yeah. So you'll create this perfect vision of how you want to change either the world or the lives of your listeners. And you'll create in this mental pathway that'll kind of take you straight there. And that is such a uh, perfectly innocent, like uh, picturesque little story. Uh, it, it's kind of sweet when you think about it because it's so straightforward and so simple. But in reality, it's not this simple pathway to the change you want to make. You are going to be navigating roadblocks and people trying to stop you 
and you trying to stop yourself and people you work with that let you down and people that don't understand you, people trying to derail you and all these kinds of setbacks from where you are now to where you want to take your music in the future. It's all about how you navigate these roadblocks and how you go about making progress toward that vision you have. Now, I want to encourage you to make sure that you set this as a foundational um, core principle of the way you approach your music career now so that uh, you don't ever find yourself led astray in the future. But you should always stay true to your vision. Know what you're setting out to achieve. And of course, you can change little bits about it here and there. And uh, maybe you might need to reassess and reshape it sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you might even decide to change it altogether if you decide that you want to move towards something else. But it needs to be at your objective decision that isn't influenced by anyone else outside of your music journey. Now, that might sound a bit confusing, so I want to put it into a real-world example. Things like uh, record labels or managers or external uh, contributors, if you're talking about collaborations or if people join your band, if you're in a band, um, and they might try to take over, you know, to the, of the direction of where you want to take your music, you have to make sure that no one derails you from what your initial purpose was. And this means that you have to make sure that you surround yourself with the right people so that they're able to help you move toward where you want to be and not just derail you and take you to where they think you should go. Some record labels, when they uh, hear your music and see where you want to take it, will tell you that, oh, you know, it's not marketable. So, work with a producer that will reshape it to be uh, to make it marketable. Now, some producers you work with will do a fantastic job of helping you uh, translate your vision through your music better than it ever was before and they will align you even like you, you'll just be more on the same path than you were before and that's exactly the type of producer that you want to work with. You must make sure that whoever you end up working with understands your vision and knows exactly how to get you there quicker. Some producers you work with will uh, change your music to sound completely different to suit what they think is the best way for you to get more people listening. Now, I've talked about this in the past about, you know, the idea of would you rather play in front of a stadium full of, you know, 18,000 people that don't really care about you and won't care about you next month if you stopped releasing content or, you know, a thousand people that absolutely love you and will support you for the rest of their lives. You know, obviously, you'd want to play in front of the thousand people versus the 18,000 that don't really care. Some of these producers will be thinking more so about how to fill a stadium with 18,000 people that don't particularly care about you, but like you for that moment. Um, you've got to find the right ones that understand the long-term game and what's better for you and the music you create uh, along that journey. The same thing goes for record labels and managers, as I said before. Back when I used to be in a band, we met with uh, quite a few labels and quite a few managers over the years, and you'd always know which ones understood the vision and which ones didn't because you'd know the moment you stepped out of that meeting. If you leave a meeting feeling really excited about the future, obviously, this person has reflected that they understand where you're coming from. But if you leave the meeting feeling a little bit uh, disconnected, like things weren't properly, like you have to sit with what they told you and, oh, I'll consider it, oh, okay, like it might not be that you work out disappointed, but if you work out feeling um, just a little bit like you have to reassess and uh, consider what they said to understand it, then there's probably a disconnect where they aren't really connecting with where you want to take your music. Uh, then again, I should say there is actually a third option, which is if you end up leaving in a really good mood, it could also be because they've just uh, sweet talked you 
and made you believe that their direction where they want to take you, which is derailing you, uh, is actually the best thing for your music. So, make sure that the person you're talking with truly understands your vision and is not just trying to convince you that their interpretation of your vision is the best way to take you. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it as a music artist, your vision matters more than anything else, okay? If you ever feel lost or unmotivated or feel as though you have no direction, your vision will be what realigns you and motivates you to move forward to exactly where you want to go, okay? So, always remember where you came from. Remember why you're doing this. Remember the difference you're trying to make. You don't want to find yourself two or three years down the track at a completely different destination, looking in the distance at the pathway you should have taken and realizing how much work you have to do to get back to where you originally wanted to be. So I was working with a music artist the other day and the question keeps coming up. Like, you know, I'm, I'm releasing an album soon. How many CDs do I get printed up? And no one seems to like the answer. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but I keep saying, stop printing CDs altogether. You should stop trying to sell your music, specifically on CDs. I learned this lesson when I was 17 years old, yeah? Like my band released our first EP and we contacted the duplicator to find out how many CDs we could get printed. And it turns out you could get like, um, the minimum order was like 500 or a thousand or something like that. And we were like, yeah, we're gonna sell a thousand CDs. So we got a thousand CDs printed. Now, by no means was this overly ambitious because it's not like we had no followers. Our EP launch had like 500 people there and we sold like hundreds of EPs. But we ended up uh, throwing away boxes and boxes of these EPs because we couldn't sell like the last like 300 or whatever because CDs go online really quickly. Even back then in like 2004 or 2005, whatever it was, but forever ago. Um, but, you know, people would burn them and distribute them that way. So, I mean, even back in time, it wasn't worth getting that many CDs printed up unless you got a distribution deal and they're in stores uh, or unless you were like constantly touring like every single day and you were playing new towns all the time. As I said, but then that still doesn't, the internet kind of takes over and people just burn it anyway. So, it's like um, you, you can't really, it, it, one person gets your EP, then everyone has it. If you've read my book, The Four Dimensional Songwriter, I talk about in that, about, I tell a little story about how someone bought our EP at a small country town and then burnt it for literally everyone in the country town. And then we, when we turned up the next time, it was like sold out show beyond sold out. People were like outside looking through windows just because how important it is to stop trying to sell your music and just distribute it because the, you know, the value comes later. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy how it works like that. But nowadays it's even uh, sillier, I think, to get CDs printed up. But I will say I, that I can understand the reason why music artists want to do this in the first place. Okay. It's like you spend all this time creating this music and you grow up uh, with your favorite CDs or whatever. And then you just keep telling yourself that, I mean, it, it's almost like a it doesn't feel real unless you're holding a physical CD in your hand going, this is what I created. I mean, I've released CDs in the past and I know that. I would hate, I've released albums in the past that were just digital and I did feel a little bit, um, you know, it just didn't feel like complete or satisfying to just release it online because I wanted to feel the real like physical thing in my hands, but I just knew that it wasn't worth printing them up because people even like, what, nearly, I was eight years ago now, people weren't even buying CDs then. So, it was way better for us to just get it online and distribute it for free. I get that feeling of satisfaction, but you kind of have to trade that in today's industry because, you know, when I print books, I could get a single copy printed if I really wanted to and then just do digital and then, you know, get the satisfaction with it only costing me a few dollars for that copy of that book, right? 
but you can't really do that in this day and age with CDs. I mean, I know for for me, I don't know about you, but if someone gave me a CD, which people have done, they've said, oh, Jason, here's our latest CD. Check it out when you can. It ends up sitting on my desk in my office for like ages because I don't have a CD player laying around. Uh, the only way I have of actually playing it, I think, is on an old laptop that I have somewhere that never has any battery that has a CD-ROM drive because all my new computers don't have CD-ROM drives and I don't know where we'd actually play a CD in the house if we needed to. Now, I don't know about you. You might have a CD player ready to go, but a lot of people don't nowadays. And I read something really interesting the other day. There's research from IHS Automotive that says that 46%, which is nearly half of all cars, won't have CD players in two years' time. That's what they're suggesting. So, within two years, half of all the cars on the road won't have CD players in the cars. And think about how many cars used to have CD players. It goes to show how many new cars don't and how many people aren't putting CD players in their cars because they genuinely don't consume their uh, music on CDs anymore. It's entirely a streaming game. So, you have to make sure that you're available on, on all the streaming networks. And if you do that and release CDs side by side, people aren't going to buy the CDs aside from like your truest fans that have to own a physical copy uh, because, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, some people like collecting things. But I don't feel like uh, really anyone, unless you have a lot of fans, has a fan base big enough to necessitate printing that many CDs to make sure that you sell them all out. Does that make sense? So, I recommend not trying to sell your music at all. It's a way better idea to release it all online for free and get your music out there, get people listening to it, get your stream counts up, make it available and accessible to everyone. Because you look, as much as I love Taylor Swift, if you go back through the podcast episode, you'll know that I've always had uh, great things to say about her, specifically for the way she approaches marketing. Can't say I know too much about her music, uh, but I really think she does some great work with marketing and testing the industry to find out what works and what doesn't. And it's because of her testing these things on a bigger scale that other artists like yourself are able to actually uh, see what works and what doesn't and then uh, not have to do the testing. You know, she does the work for you, which is really cool. But she even tried to remove all her music from the streaming services and just sell CDs again and it didn't work. She returned back to the streaming services a little while later. So, I mean, if Taylor Swift with her fan base needs to go back to streaming because, you know, she lost too much revenue, then obviously it's not a cool idea to try to think that you shouldn't play the streaming game. So, it's kind of just the way the industry is now. It's just stop trying to think that once you've recorded an album that you've got to make an ROI on that album because that's a really silly way to think about it. And that has led to so many bands breaking up. From running my studio, the amount of bands that broke up shortly after releasing an album because a few members thought that they'd sell it and make their money back and they considered their money spent recording it and mastering it and like maybe a music video or whatever they spent their money on, uh, you know, as an investment that they were going to get a short-term ROI on, it's just silly because they're going to be disappointed and they're going to get frustrated and uh, it's not going to work. And that could eventually lead to that band breaking up. So, if you focus more on just trying to get your music out there and make it available for everyone and understand that any money you spend in the creation of your music is a long-term investment and also understand that it's not worth putting money into printing CDs because you're going to end up with a garage full of CDs that aren't selling and that will be a legitimate waste of your money. Don't tell yourself, oh, my true fans will buy my CD because truth be told, you bring your album out, your true fans are going to want to hear it immediately. So they're not going to wait for a CD to be posted to them. They're going to go straight to a streaming service and listen to it on that. If you need money back immediately as a music artist to you know, make this your full-time income, there's plenty of ways for you to do that. Like There are so many ways for you to earn a ton of money as a music artist. I talk about recently about how private music tuition is the perfect job for a music artist. I did it for 10 years. It gave me all the financial freedom I needed and you can 
can earn eighty to $100,000 a year if you set it up correctly and you get to work in music full time. Like it's the best. So why are you caring about printing CDs when you could be doing that? But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. For today, I just want to make sure that your mindset correctly and that you understand that trying to sell CDs and sell music in this day and age is not going to get you anywhere. You should focus more on trying to build your brand and getting your music out there and accessible and available to everyone because that will eventually build a foundation that you can leverage for bigger things in the future. So lastly today, I want to talk about a little branding trick that I think could help you with your music that I personally love and I love recommending to music artists. So there's, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty common knowledge that as humans, if we are exposed to uh, the same thing over and over again, we develop, uh, you know, a type of familiarity with it. There's a psychological principle called the mirror exposure effect, and it's kind of similar down that line. The mirror exposure effect is also called the familiarity principle. It kind of says that the more we are exposed to the same thing, the more we end up liking them. So, uh, it's you might hate something when you first see it, but it's a phenomenon that uh, it's psychologically, if we keep seeing it over and over again, eventually we end up liking it somehow. Uh, I think that uh, it's, it's kind of interesting how that works, but you, you could probably think back over a few things in your life that you hated when you first saw it, but because you keep getting shown it, you eventually end up liking it. It's the same. I think that's how radio works in general. They'll just keep putting the same pop songs on. And because of the mere exposure effect, you'll end up liking the songs you initially didn't like because you just you know like it more over time. This is kind of taking the idea of the mere exposure effect, but kind of twisting it in a certain way. So to explain what I mean about how you can use like an anchor you can use for repeated exposure to stand out amongst the crowded online space. I want you to first get in the mind of someone just browsing social media. You could spend forever creating a piece of content and you just imagine when you bring it out that people are just going to see it and be able to like look at every detail in it and see how much time you spent on the color grading and how much time you spent perfecting the specific font choice you chose on the image or whatever you've done, like all the little intricate details, but people don't see it in that way. Think about how someone browses social media and I'm sure that's not hard for you to do because you would do it the same way too. They open a service like Instagram or Facebook and they scroll down. They look at a piece of content, they scroll. They look at a piece of content, they scroll. They look at a piece of content, they scroll. You get it, right? And that sounds pretty fast, but usually people are scrolling even faster than that because they just want to get to the next piece of content, whatever can grab their attention. And then they look at it for a second. If it doesn't grab their attention, they skip to the next one. If it doesn't grab their attention, they skip to the next one. Now, what if I told you that of those examples I just gave, one of them was your posts? How on earth could the person who was scrolling through that feed know and understand that you created that image? And if they've just scrolled by without understanding that it was you who created that post in the first place, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to have built any more connection with you and that post will essentially be wasted on them, you know? So what you can do is you can actually create reoccurring themes within your post so that when they scroll by it, they immediately recognize it as one of yours. And because of the mere exposure effect, if they see it enough times, they'll develop a familiarity with it and they will tend to like it over time. Now, the question is, how can you build these uh, psychological anchors to make people understand that it's one of your posts as they scroll past? We can do this a ton of ways. It can be down to your branding aesthetic. It can be the color choices that you do on your photograph. If you have a really unique one, but it all comes down to how unique your branding presence is because you have to be immediately recognizable within like a moment of seeing the photograph. Using a specific Instagram filter might not make you stand out because there are a ton of accounts out there that are using those specific filters. So you have to make sure that you are immediately recognized 
recognizable in your content, uh, but you don't have to do it just through your color themes. Uh, this is why I say that the, the easiest one you can do is you as a person, right? Because the more you're in front of the camera, the more people will recognize your face as they scroll past. Now, obviously, when you frame your picture, make sure that you're front and center and very recognizable within the photograph so that people don't have to look at it to work out who's in that photo before scrolling on because you know, most people won't, they'll just, they'll just keep on scrolling on. There's a principle in neuro, neuroaesthetic design that says, find the most attention grabbing part of your image and then slightly exaggerate it. For example, if you're wearing red lipstick in a photograph and it is quite eye grabbing, select the color of your lipstick and increase the vibrance of it just slightly. Not enough for it to become a caricature, but emphasize the most interesting part of your image and that will make people stop scrolling. But it doesn't have to just be the uh, content itself that'll grab their attention. I think you can even do it on a smaller scale. This is a theoretical idea, but I'm certain that it will work in the real world by using emojis. So if you choose a specific emoji, one that not many people use and you can associate with your branding and you start every caption of every piece of content with that specific emoji, people are going to over time recognize that it's one of your posts when that emoji pops up in the comment because they see the first line of the comment on something like Instagram when they scroll through their feeds. Yeah, you might find that people aren't interacting with your posts immediately if you start doing that inside your caption. But if you start every caption with the same thing, people over time are going to start going, I've seen that a few times. What is that? Because it allows you to separate yourself from the noise. So every time they're scrolling through their feeds, they're seeing normal posts that all just kind of blend into one another because it's so, you know, it's the sea of online noise where everyone's doing the same thing. But then you pop up with a unique color theme and a specific emoji in the top of your comments. People are going to naturally start associating, oh, hang on, I should stop and read that for a second. And it will allow you to gain their attention and their focus and stop you becoming lost amongst all this other content. Now, most of this game as a music artist is just building brand recognition with people, okay? Like people might not be ready to listen to your music yet, but if they know enough about you, they eventually will. So if they've hit follow on you and you start posting content often that has these little anchors within these comments, they're going to notice you. Even if they continue scrolling on by, they will know that they chose to keep on scrolling by, but knew that it was your post. So at least to some level, you've increased in our recognition in their mind. Their brain has recognized that is one of your posts uh, and they, they chose to keep on scrolling. But next time, they might not choose to keep on scrolling. They might say, what is that emoji that I keep seeing all the time? I've seen that person posting often. They'll be more familiar with you, therefore more likely to build a connection with your content due to the mere exposure effect, you know? So use whatever you can. These are just two little ideas I gave you then. But think about that. How can I make people stop scrolling in their feeds? Uh, how can I stand out amongst the noise? But more importantly, how can I make sure that everyone looking at my content knows that it's mine and doesn't just dismiss it as one of the many other accounts they're following? If you can win that game, you'll start developing that snowballing effect of attention that will make a huge difference over time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. You made it all the way to the end. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And it would mean the world to me if you could either leave a rating and a review for this podcast or share it out to your followers. That act of kindness goes so much further than you may think. It helps me help more music change the world.